The Accelerator Podcast is here. I'm your host on tap, Monty King, inviting you to leave ordinary in the dust. Every next level of our lives demands a better version of ourselves. Our guests will inspire you to close the gap. What doesn't happen by design happens by default, so the content on tap is created for listeners to learn and grow. Visit us online at whatsontap.tv or find us on your favorite podcast platform. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, tap five stars and drop us a review. Hit the notification bell to never miss an episode and share your favorites to help others outrun the status quo. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Accelerator Podcast. I'm your host, Monty King, and today I've got Jeremy Raymer on tap. Jeremy's the founder and CEO of Driver Reach, which helps companies hire CDL drivers better, faster. So for me, Jeremy's kind of like the Vin Diesel of driver recruiting, Fast and the Furious. Uh, and he does an awesome job. I'm excited to have a conversation with him today. Jeremy, how are you doing? Awesome. Uh, really appreciate it. Glad to, uh, glad to be here. Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of your uh, backstory. I'd love to learn more about how, what led up, what was your path that led up to driver reach and where did your passion come from to help on the, the, the recruiting side, if you don't mind? Yeah, sure. So I, I actually got into the industry 20 years ago. This is, I'm, I'm in my 20th year. And for the entire time, all I've done is be a part of the recruiting, qualifying and hiring, you know, aspect of the, of the industry. I owned a small truck driver staffing company. I say small, we grew to about 500 full-time and part-time drivers here in the Midwest in Indiana, where I'm headquartered. But I also owned a small truckload carrier. And I, you know, for, for the wonder years of 05 to 08, which was for anybody who's listening, who remembers if they were around then, those were horrible, horrible times. So, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the industry. I learned a lot about hiring drivers and the types of drivers that you want to hire. But what I recognized early on is that there was such a deficiency uh, uh, with technology in this industry, at least around the, the HR and recruiting technology you know, space, whereas other more innovative and progressive industries were much earlier adopters. I recognized that there was a great opportunity and I started building technology for myself, for my own company to, to hire drivers better and, and process them more efficiently, qualify them consistently and have a better group of drivers, a better better uh, qualified group of drivers, because that was important as a staffing company. Most people think of staffing as like, oh, those are the bottom of the barrel, you know, drivers. Not at all. We had really, really good drivers because we were really particular. And so as I, as I started building that technology, I realized that a lot of the, the functionality that I built uh, could be far greater uh, of use or value to the industry at large versus just me. I could help a heck of a lot more companies. And so that was sort of the, that was the beginning. That was in about 2016 or so when I came to that realization that I, it was time for me to, to really take this sort of this uh, precursor of driver reach, uh, create driver reach and take that and launch that. And so that happened in, uh, in mid to late 2017 when I ended up selling my staffing company to sort of help me uh, bootstrap driver reach up until we, we raised some capital uh, in late 2021. 
Awesome. Awesome. So our friends over at ATRI, the American Transportation Research Institute, you know, they release their annual report of the top 10 industry issues uh, every year. And this past year, driver shortage was number one. Now, you and I have a similar belief on driver shortage. So, uh, but I got to ask the question, Jeremy, is there really a driver shortage? Well, before, before I even answer that, you, you mentioned Atri. I, uh, I've been a big supporter of the group. Um, Rebecca Brewster, the uh, COO, president COO of the group is just a fantastic human being. Yes. And, I, and yes. I think the world of her. And I've had the luxury, the honor of being on Atri's research advisory committee for two consecutive uh, terms. And that is so much fun because there's so much, it's, there's such a, a broad group of industry stakeholders and there are a lot of different and varying opinions and uh, direction to what should be researched and what work should be done. And, and it's just, it's a lot of fun. And I, I'll never forget that. And I'd love an opportunity to do that again. It's, it's, it's that much fun. But to the question about the driver shortage, you know, I mentioned 05 to 08, remember those years? Uh, well, it was a, the driver shortage was a thing in 05. Uh, that was a number one issue uh, for, in the top 10 industry issues from Atri, 06, 07. And then all of a sudden it fell off because of the Great Recession. And nothing fundamentally had changed. It just, we were covered up by a much bigger global problem, right? And then as soon as we started getting out of that, 09, 10, 11, started seeing it creep back up again. And I, it's been five or six consecutive years at the top or number one or number two uh, industry issue. And so obviously it's something that is real. It's not this phantom, you know, boogeyman thing that we say to maybe, you know, ha affect rates, you know, you know, upward, you know, rates for, uh, for, for trucking companies. It's a real thing. When you have every year new entrants, fewer new entrants than those who are leaving the industry, that is a systemic problem. And there's a whole nother, you know, conversation, I think, about why or what can be done, I think, to, to prevent that or to, mm -hmm. to, to, uh, to change that going forward. But still, there's 100%. And, and, and I'm not even just talking about CDL holders. I'm talking about people that actually are either in the industry or, or are qualifiable, mm -hmm. you know, where you can actually qualify them in, you know, safety from a safety and compliance standpoint. So what do you think are some of the barriers that actually hurt driver recruiting? Like what, what's a common mistake that uh, a motor carrier might make in their recruiting process? Well, I, I would say not leveraging technology. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, humans hire humans, right? So it's important. I'm not suggesting technology replace that. Um, relationships matter. How you engage with them matters. Uh, I think, there's, that's a loaded question. There, I, there's not one, but I'll say just for purposes of, you know, uh, kind of diving in a little bit here, I think the, the quality of the conversations that, that, uh, that a recruiter is having with the driver, there's, there's issues with how you market and, and how you try to attract the right types of drivers, because they're not all the same. You want drivers that are a good fit for you culturally, who understand what they're getting into, the type of work, and, and they're safe and they're compliant and all of those things. But then when you do attract them, assuming that you do, what's the conversation like? Because that's that first impression that they're going to have with a recruiter. How engaging are you? Are you just reading off a checklist of here's the cents per mile? Here's what we do. 
or are you actually engaging with them in a way, asking a lot of leading you know, questions and helping them make a decision? Because recruiting is sales. And that's mm-hmm. something that I, I, you know, I talk about often. So those are a couple of things that I'd say uh, make a difference. Yeah. So, so in your opinion, then, how, how does the way that a company recruit, how, how they recruit, impact turnover and retention, or does it, in your opinion? Well, for sure. I mean, first of all, you, you want to again your first impression. There's things that you never get back, right? Two things: you never get time. And you never get a first impression back. So it's really important to make a good first impression, to engage with them in a, in a very empathetic, um, natural way, carrying on a, in a natural conversation. Um, you want to make sure it's a fit for them as much as they need to make sure, um, you know, there's there's a right fit there. And so once you you get through that and you obviously there are is a highly regulated industry. So there's there's a lot of boxes to check. You have to do that. You have to do that as efficiently as possible. But if you have that sort of mindset and, and engagement throughout that initial you know, qualification process, and you get that driver hired. And then on the other side of that, continue. It should be exactly what you what you sold them. Right. That's that's critical. I'm already making the, the, the assumption here. Table stakes is that you're being honest and transparent with who you are, what you're about, what type of work they're going to be doing, what type of equipment they're going to be in, all of those sorts of things, how they're going to get paid. And be accurate with all that information. But then when you follow up, you know, once they've started working for you and you if you put some some uh, measures in place to ensure that consistently every single one of them is engaged, for example, right before they get their uh, first paycheck, you know, somebody from payroll or, you know, reaches out and says uh, and they can do that electronically doesn't have to be over the phone, but introducing themselves. I am who you can reach out if there's any questions, I'm here to help you. You know, I want to make sure that you, there's never any confusion. Those little things, the recruiter, once they've hired that driver uh, and, and that driver is now working, you know, under a, a dispatcher or driver manager, recruiter reaching out maybe after their first handful of runs or first week, how's it going? Just wanted to check in. Is it everything I said it would be? Let me know. Those little things, those touch points, especially in those first 90 days, go such a long way from a retention standpoint. So there, there's a difference between hiring and onboarding then is what you're saying, right? Sure, sure. And onboarding, I mean, there's orientation, right? That's right. what, but, but onboarding is, I mean, that's really throughout the tenure of that driver's, uh, you know, lifetime there, life cycle there, but certainly that first year. I think there's a lot of, you can't just shove everything into the first, you know, couple weeks you just can't retain all of that and, and you're not going to build relationships like that. It really is important to, uh, uh, to, to, to stretch that out over the, the tenure of that driver's employment. I agree. I agree. Can so, I, can I, mean, I put you on hold? I'm going to, I know we're recording. I got to turn that light on. It just went off and now it's all dark on me. No, that's okay. Yeah. One second. All right. Sorry, that is so annoying. Man, look, you're the Vin Diesel of driver recruiting. You can do whatever you want, all right? Well, so. <laughs> that's just because I'm a bald, middle-aged white guy, I think. That's <laughs> no, no, it's just it's because of your, your flowery Hawaiian tropical shirt that you're right, wearing. Right, right. Uh, so I know things may be a little bit different from a recruiting perspective 
today as they as they were whenever you sort of went through your process the first time. But what was the first step that you took into really strengthening your process, really looking at it to say, this is what I need to do to recruit better quality, et cetera. Um, and then second part of that question is, is that the same thing that you would have motor carriers today consider doing? Um, and if not, what, what is that first step that you would, uh, you would throw out there for them? Well, I think what's really important is you have to always look at uh, the, the process from the, the applicant, from their perspective, right? You've got to make it easy. You've got to, uh, what you don't want is I don't want them to abandon. I don't want them to maybe hear good things about my company. They come and they, they, they go to my website and then they have a bad experience. So it's really important if you just work backwards from what the ultimate outcome you're trying to achieve, which is a, a properly qualified hired driver that's a good fit. And you work backwards, how can, I, how can I get that? Well, I need to make it easy for them. I need to remove obstacles, barriers, uh, any sort of friction in the process that I can. I wanna whittle that away. And so that's always been the case whether, you know, I mentioned in 05, 06, times were really, were good then. We were booming and we were picked, I was, it was a challenge to hire drivers and you wanted to always make sure that you did it as efficiently as possible. And then when you go through the recession or even, I, I would say today, what, what we're experiencing and seeing the conditions out there, the market conditions are nowhere near that, but they have softened. It's certainly noticeable and we're talking about it all the time. I think what's you, you don't you don't change. You're not going to let's just add some inefficiency to the process. Then, no, of course you still want to always look for opportunities to make it better. But the mindset here's what's a little bit different today. Companies that I talk to here, even in just this year, like you know we're we're not really we're kind of slowing down our hiring. We're really not looking. You know we're cutting our our budgets back for you know marketing and advertising. I get all that. However, today they might have a greater opportunity to sort of upgrade or top grade on their, you know, maybe improve on their, you know, bottom five to 10% uh, of their, of the drivers that they've got, you know, if they have an opportunity to replace underperforming or poor performing drivers, I mean, everyone should do that. That's not a trucking statement. I mean, we should always look to do that. It's been hard over the last few years, the, the talent, the demand for talent has been so strong that it's been really difficult to do that. And so you'll, you'll make do with maybe lesser performing folks, but we can't trucking. We just can't afford that. You can't afford drivers who are maybe are costing you business, who are, who are putting you at risk from a safety or compliance standpoint. And so from that perspective, you, you should never turn off the, the, the recruiting hiring spigot. You should always, it's just to various degrees, perhaps. So do you think that uh, if a motor carrier has a clear vision on the type of, you know, the characteristics of a driver they want to hire, so they're very targeted, and then they, they advertise or recruit from this specific angle, do you believe that they have more success than someone who's just kind of taking a fishnet approach and just throwing it out there and filtering through the drivers as they come in? No question. Um, and, and especially when you apply technology to it and you, and you have the right leaders in place that are sort of, you know, that they've got the, the hands on the levers and they're, and it's as, as efficient and fine tuned as possible. But, but 
But that being said, there are companies out there, large fleets, large carriers who their business model is just, we'll just take them all. We'll churn a bunch. It's just the business model. It's just, it's, it's built into the, into the model. Our retentions, you know, is horrible. And it's just, it's just what we do. And I, I can't help but see that and say, okay, it's, it's working for you enough, but you're certainly not nearly as efficient as you could be. And when times are really good, that covers, you know, that gets covered up. But when times get more challenging, that operating efficiency is so critical. And it's sometimes the difference between somebody getting through tougher times or, or going belly up. So always thinking about, you know, how can we operate as efficient as possible, I think is always a, is a best practice. Absolutely. So when a company engages driver reach, how does that impact or move the needle on their profit margin, right? Because obviously there's an expense associated. How do you quantify the ROI? Where does it help actually boost their margins overall? Well, it's really easy for in a couple of areas. One, it, their advertising and marketing spend. You know, most companies are still spending generally thousands of dollars a month, some tens or even hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on how large they are. But but where that, you know, you're trying to attract drivers. You know, I always use the term like to the door, right? To your website, to a landing page, to to the door so that you can invite them in, right? You want them to fill out a form. You So you're trying to collect their their information. They're a CDL driver. They're interested in working for you. Two pretty powerful prerequisites uh, in the recruiting process. Now there's a whole lot, you know, to, that has to take place, you know, from there. I've got to make sure that that there's a fit. I have to make sure that they're qualified to drive for us. I got to make sure that they're safe and compliant, you know, from that process. And then even after I get through all of that, still be able to uh, to hire them to bring them in for orientation and. And get them in a truck and 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 grow. So, what's a technology being able to do that as efficiently as possible to reduce the risk of of drivers, uh, or to improve your your chances of being able to hire them and and get them going right away. That's that's one. So you have a better cost per hire from a marketing standpoint. Uh, you give that driver a better applicant experience. Uh, I think one of the things that you know. Driver Reach provides is its full CRM functionality. So, you know, engaging with those drivers via email and text, drip marketing, all those sorts of things, because you you only hire a very small percentage of the drivers that that apply. But so many of those that apply that you don't hire are still really valuable. So being able to continue to engage and communicate with them, remarket to them can can re help reduce your ongoing marketing spend to some degree, especially as your database grows, you can continue to engage with them that way. And then you're just hiring safer drivers. You're just hiring drivers. You're, you're providing them with a better experience. You have less, especially when you're managing their compliance through the process, you know, you've got a checklist in, in the interface that's you're making sure that every single box is checked and you're doing that consistently. So you're reducing the risk from an insurance standpoint, from a, uh, just from a motorist risk standpoint. And then also uh, retention. And I, and I will say this, you know, one of the things that, and uh, I don't know if, if, if the opportunity presents itself to go down this, this path, but I will say we are not the only uh, vendor in the highly regulated trucking space, but there aren't too many. And there's one that is enormous. 
and and has been around for 16 plus years and had a monopoly until driver reach and a, and a few others uh, came onto the scene one of the things that we don't do is allow that data the driver data to be made available or to be purchased by uh, any other companies in the space i mean that is your data if you're a customer of driver reach and they fill out an application for you that is yours and yours only it is i have an ethical conflict with what that larger uh, company does because they make that data available for purchase and all that does is exacerbate the turnover of their own customers and for the life of me i don't understand i think probably not enough know about it um, and i guess it's my job to educate so you're saying that a company could hire a driver or, or recruit a driver for someone, use that information, sell it to someone else who could then try to recruit them to another company. Oh, it happens every day, all day. Wow. And, and it's now the customers of ours that have come from that vendor there. I mean, there's no turning back. I mean, that's a, again, that's a, there's an ethical violation there, but, they're private equity owned. There's a lot of money in it. And, um, and I don't think they're going to change competition will help. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's gotta be terrible for the turnover ratio. I, I mean, you talk about making it worse, like, that, well, unbelievable. Uh, let me just add this. And I, and again, I, I know we're not, we're not saying any names, so we're, we're being a little bit, uh, coy, I guess, but here's the reality. If, if that company, I, I would, so what, so what they end up doing now is they have a retention product, right? If, if that company is really a lot of the reason why you have retention challenges, but now I'm going to sell you a retention product to help you with the problem that I'm causing. I, I equate that to the arsonist who lights your house on fire and then sells you the water to put it out. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so. So, so that's, that's what's happening in the trucking industry. It's, uh, but, but, you know, again, competition will help and hold, and hold people accountable and give, and give the industry more options. And that's something that uh, I'm excited about. Sure. Now, another thing that, you know, moves the needle from an insurance rate perspective um, is retention. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's a big deal, right? So it, it, from what you're saying in your process, walking through, if, if you recruit in a solid way, you onboard in a, in a solid way, the retention should increase, right? So if that's the case, then what we can do is use that data, the retention rate, to be able to leverage underwriting to give us some more credits to reduce the premium, right? So not only can we move the needle of profit margin from utilizing driver reach per se, but if that's done appropriately and recognized and communicated well to the underwriting, insurance premiums can be controlled as well. And in my opinion, almost every problem that a motor carrier faces can be fixed by the driver pool. It can also be caused by the driver pool, right? But the culture within itself can absolutely um, be just, I guess, um, magnified in a positive way or a negative way, but let's shoot for positive. So, uh, well, and those are things that you can 
you can do. You can make them better. You can affect change. Uh, engaging with your with your drivers. You know. You know. Again, recruiting is sales, right? You you want to provide a really good experience on the front end. You want to get them through the door and then hired. But then you don't just okay. Well, just they're now they're now they're uh, subject to the dispatcher and whatever his you know emotional state is from time to time. It's really important to have the right people in the right places that are engaging with them in a way that that is again it's empathetic you have a relationship these people they're really important they're valuable they're doing some really really critical work and by engaging with them i mean how's it going i want to know uh, you know there are there's there's technology out there workhound is a is a really good friend and partner of ours they have a, a great retention tool for purposes of of getting feedback from from drivers from employees what can we be doing better how are we doing I want to know. And then if you tell me that, I have to do something about it. Sometimes I can't, but I'm at least going to communicate with you about why I can't do anything about it. But if I can do something about it, I absolutely want to make sure that I that I do something about it right away and that I let you know, because now you're excited that, hey, my voice matters. I have some say here. That is an absolutely great culture builder. And that's all stuff that we can all do like tomorrow. Yeah, that, that's great stuff. And it also reminds me, I, I tell my team, I used to tell them all the time, we get hired or we get fired by the way we communicate. And I still believe there's some truth to that, but I've switched it from communicate to connect because it's deeper than just communicating. It's how are we connecting that really moves the needle, as I've been saying. So I definitely agree to that. Um, so Let's transition into what I call the tap five. And what this is, is I'm going to ask you five questions. And in one word or one sentence, give me your best response. And again, this is impromptu. So whatever's on the top of your head, let's let it roll and, and, and just have some fun doing it. You ready? Bananas. All right. Oh, not yet? <laughs> not yet. Look, you, Vin Diesel can get away with a lot. All right. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, okay, so here's the first question. What is the worst driver recruiting advice that you've ever come across, heard, been given, et cetera? Uh, do whatever it takes to get them in, in the seat. That's the worst advice you can ever give. That's just horrible. So the number two is the flip. What is the best driver recruiting advice that you've ever heard or given? Be fully transparent and honest. Don't paint a rosy picture. Tell the truth. If it's not rosy, so this job kind of sucks. This is what it's going to look like. This is what you're going to end up taking home. Is that is that enough? Does that work for you? Like that's the best advice. Being Set honest. those expectations right off from the front. Hundred percent. All right. So now we're going to have a little bit more fun. So, in your opinion, what is the best college in the SEC? University of Georgia. So sorry. I'm okay with that. <laughs> All I, right. I'm not wrong with that. So. All right. And that's not because I, that's where I went. So that's not because, uh, you know, they won a, a, a national championship or two of them. Th this doesn't count for one of the questions, but in your opinion, who is the best football player to ever come out of Georgia? Uh, I probably have to say Herschel Walker, but I, I miss the old Herschel Walker. Gotcha. <laughs> 
All right. So the next one is what is your hidden talent? Surely you've got one besides a stand in for Vin Diesel on the action scenes, but right. Uh, I would say, um, I don't know if I'd call this a talent. I eat an avocado every day, almost every single day. I bet most people don't say that. <laughs> is that more of a guilty pleasure? That's not really guilty about it because it's really healthy for you. Or it's healthy. It's good. It's 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 a foundational. It's a good. It's a fruit, allegedly. So um, yeah, it's it's delicious. But um, I played I played high school football, college football, and flag football for until I turned 40. So um, the last year I played, I already had kids and I was hoping, you know, as my kids were starting to get older, I could get them to, you know, come watch, you know, watch daddy play football. And it was good. I mean, this is like, these were very competitive. We won some championships and it was was a lot of fun. And anyway, uh, my wife said to me that last year, she says, I was telling her the story and she says, Maybe you just don't have it anymore. I'm like, whoa, exactly. That hurt. That hurt. But I think what she really meant was, uh, you're a you're a dad and a family man. You need to be home, um, not going playing football. So, yes, the kids turn to play. Yes. Right. So exactly. All right. So so last and probably most important question, and I'm not saying there's a wrong answer to this, but just curious. In your opinion, who is the greatest professional wrestler of all time? Ooh, so I used to go to a lot of WWF uh, matches when I was a kid, live in Los Angeles where I grew up. Oh, um, man. Of all time, man. I mean, back then, Hulk Hogan was, he was it, right? That was, he was a, he was a good guy. And then I think he became a bad guy. And I don't know if he, I don't even know what he is anymore. But, <laughs> but we're going back to like the, the mid 80s. I used to love Rowdy Roddy Piper. I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, we're going back here. Jimmy yep. Snuka. Oh, super fly, baby. Tito Santana. Remember those days? Greg the Hammer Valentine. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, you just, I'm smiling just thinking about all, this is just so much fun. Uh, Andre the Giant, Big John Stud back then. I remember, I remember, I remember when um, Sergeant Slaughter was a bad guy, right? He was a bad guy. Everybody hated him. Boo. And yeah. then one match. He was leaving the ring and incoming was the iron Sheik, oh, And yeah. they both, they both got, and they, neither of them were going to move. And all of a sudden in one instant, Sergeant Slaughter went from this bad guy to everyone in the whole crowd, USA, USA. <laughs> and then he became a good guy. So anyway, that's just fun drama, oh, memories, man. memories of a lifetime. We'll, we'll choose one. Which one? I have to go. I have to go with Hulk Hogan because I had the shirt. I had the Hulkamaniac shirt that you could tear. It had the the. the you were a Hulkamaniac. I was a Hulkamaniac. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins. But you know, give me give me your best Hulk Hogan impression. Oh man, Uh, that's a good one. So first of all, I I don't have quite the I don't have quite the physique that he had, right? But I would say I, I think it was that he was like. Say your prayers and eat your vitamins, brother. Nice. That's that's my that's my hook. I need a I need a headband. <laughs> Can you just give me one of those? Right. <laughs> oh, that was so much fun. That was so much fun. Awesome. That was so much fun. Jeremy, it's definitely been a pleasure. Let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. I, uh, you know, I know you've got a, an awesome podcast or two going on. Uh, tell all of our uh, everybody in our audience, man, how can they connect with you? 
Well, first of all, I really appreciate the opportunity to, to chat with you and your listeners. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm probably pretty easy to find, and I'm probably connected uh, to a lot of the your listeners. Just I've been doing that for since around 2010 or so, but uh, certainly can find me there personally. You can find us at driverreach.com, as well as uh, I've been hosting a podcast on Freight Waves now going into year three, and uh, we just had our 100th episode. And that's a lot of fun. Uh, it's called Taking the Higher Road. And it's all about, you know, just recruiting and retention and all the things that are around that sort of driver life cycle. So um, absolutely uh, connect with me if we're not already connected. As you could probably tell, I, I'm pretty passionate and uh, it's a great industry that we're in. And it's, and it's fun to embrace it and build relationships that last a lifetime. Absolutely. Is there is there a number for driver reach that you could spit out right now or, or maybe I could look up real quick to let everybody know? Sure. Uh, I don't know what our toll-free number is. I know what our uh, our local Indiana number is, 317-610-0080. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Awesome, man. Well, Jeremy, look, I hope you come back. Let's find some other stuff to talk about. This was awesome. I enjoyed having you and looking forward to the next time. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Bonnie.